0: Hello oh, and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined as always by Connor Allen. What's going on, Connor? Not much, man. It is a uh, week eleven, and I know that there's always, you know, the saying that you know life, life's a marathon,
1: you know, not a sprint. Um, and it feels like a marathon, you know, but we're getting there.
0: Uh, and I think
1: that it's it's been a great season for us betting wise here, and excited to keep going.
0: So a reminder: download the WinBet app today and take advantage of our promo code 444. Receive that risk-free thousand-dollar bets. Excited to unpack Week Eleven here with Connor. Joining us to break down the games from a betting perspective is our friend from FTN, uh, the aptly named uh, Matt Friedman Show, which I think is just genius.
2: You know, sometimes you get too cute. You know, like keep it simple, Matthew Friedman. What's going on, buddy? Uh, it's it's great to be here. One, uh, it's technically the Friedman Fantasy Football Show. Really trying to uh, to put go. everything <laughs> all in that title. Uh, also it looks like it's pancakes come on Sal. Uh, yeah, yes waffles guys'm I'm, I'm marginally insulted <laughs> uh, and also I realized I need to elevate my chair here like I'm I'm way too low there we go <laughs> I'm, there we go that's that's a little bit better although like my face is still sort of almost like shrinking down oh, yeah, there right, you go. right there so I need to <laughs> really need to stand up straight here and get my mic in place anyway it, it's good to be back on the show with you guys I feel like this is the uh, 10th year. <laughs> that I've, yeah. I've, I've made an appearance on the show. Oh, well, yeah. I, I was telling you too, you know, we,
0: we, at the beginning of the year, you know, try to formulate a, a guest wish list, and we, no offense to any of our guests. We try to, you know, categorize them as far as like priority. And, you know, we always make sure that the, we always enjoy the Friedman hour. So we always want to make sure we can run that back. So I, I know you're a busy, busy guy. And uh, I really appreciate your generosity with the time. So hopefully te- you know, technical yeah. difficulties aside that we can uh, pop through the hour today.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Here's the, I don't know where this, this comes from that I'm a busy guy. Maybe it's because I act like I'm busy or something. I have the <laughs> reputation of a busy guy. I got all the time in the world. Well, what the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm busy, man. You know, man I'm, I'm busy. busy. I, I'm busy. I,
0: I, got a, I got a raw. I negotiated a bad deal for myself. It's, it's I, a mentality, uh, man. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I also have a six-month-old, and that that okay, layers uh, busyness yeah. on top of uh, things it. too. Yeah. Who like loves people and hates sleep. It has a extreme case of FOMO. He does not want to miss literally anything. Uh, he is not a huge fan of, uh, of sleep. So you would think that that would give me more margin of my day, and I could you know grind uh, content in a in a bigger way. But uh, no, I'm trying to grind sleep whenever I can. So um,
1: um, before we get started, quick question. You know, honestly, Friedman, how was the the challenge? How was the waffle challenge? Waffle House challenge?
2: Uh, it was fine until I pushed myself. You know, okay. if I had stopped at seven, I would have been great. It would have been a delicious day. Uh, instead, I pushed myself to ten waffles, Ooh. and that is really what did it. the The <laughs> night after the waffles wasn't that great of a night. Uh, but I was totally, <laughs> I was totally fine the next day. So, you know, I feel like the original strategy was fine. Uh, yeah. you know, we raised $5,000 for cook children's hospital, which, uh, that, like that was a cool thing. And there were some people who were donating like paying based on the number of waffles I ate. So I kind of felt compelled to push myself a little bit, you know, but the original strategy of seven waffles in 17 hours, I think that was the right way to go. Seems yeah. pretty doable. Yeah. It, it's very doable.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a waffle over pancakes guy in a big, big way. So I'm also offended by the art here. Sal's usually, you know, we're like, Sal's, you know, batting 900 on the year. So I don't want to <laughs> knock Sal because yeah. he's had some some real nice little Easter eggs here. But, uh, you know, Sal, we'll will talk after the show. So we'll,
2: <laughs> I'm we'll just going to assume maybe he was being ironic. With he's him. saying
0: he couldn't find a good waffle pitcher. So we'll, you know, we'll let him off the hook. So okay. Not too, too bad. Uh well, wherever you're listening or watching, we appreciate it. Subscribe so you don't miss a show. We now have two shows a week here on Move the Line. This is, again, the Game by Game Breakdown. Connor and I also come back on Friday night with Prop Stars to talk about the uh, prop markets, um, get your listener questions. Uh, definitely want to check that out wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube as well. Also, in the show notes, you can find out more information on how to get a subscription at four for four. Uh, taking advantage of our betting sub as it's sliced in price as we get to the back half of the, uh, the football season here. We have some NBA stuff coming up soon, uh, golf stuff still rocking and rolling there. So you definitely want to check that out for slash plans. All right. Uh, two buys this week, gentlemen, for week 11, uh, the Rams and the Broncos are off the past couple of weeks have been insane. I-, I don't want to be like a prisoner of the moment, but I really can't remember a time where we've seen so many double digit dogs just winning outright. Um, Again, this piece really here every week is hard to not get overreactive to prior week's games trying to really maintain that like long view as much as we can, but it's challenging. Dogs again last week, nine and five on the money line. I think we have a better sense of who's terrible than who's really good in this league. Um, we'll get into that today. Like are the Titans really good? They're eight and two and they played like the hardest schedule in the league. So, like probably. <laughs> I mean, I thought the Bucks and Rams were really good. They've both lost two in a row. I don't think any of the four teams that beat them are particularly very good. Uh, so let's handicap week 11. Um, we also have the dreaded nine and three split, which the league, I can't understand why we can't figure this out. It's like the watching hell. We have nine in the early window. I, takes away It takes away the Octobox. Get that one <laughs> game that's disappeared. And it's always a good game because you can't edit that stuff. You can't edit the quad box or anything like that. And then you get only three in the late. And you have that window of like one game for half an hour. It's just, I don't understand why they can't do this. Hopefully Amazon comes along at some point and gets yeah. involved and gets their big corporate <laughs> hand in there and we can get the schedule worked out a little bit better. Yeah, Bay's us we trust, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, first game. Uh, we have the uh, one of the better ones of the slate. Green Bay on the road against Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota plus two at home, 49.5 is the total. Uh, Vikings feel like one of the teams that has the greatest range of outcomes every week. Tend to play close, one-score games regardless of their opponents. Basically, think that they can beat or lose to anyone in the league. We've kind of seen that. Defense has played pretty well last week, considering all the injuries that they had. Leaning on Dalvin Cook in a big way against the Chargers, who just refused to put more than seven guys in the box. Uh, probably do so again against the Packers here. The defense has played really good this season. Uh, limited again with injuries, but they're still showing up. Uh, Rogers played okay obviously a bit rusty reports today came out that he was you know winded and fatigued and things like that so we'll see what happens here vikings need this one in a bad way nfc back half of the playoff picture wide open so uh, freeman kick us off talk to us about the spot
2: I, I like the packers here uh i mean rogers i know he you know was dealing with what uh you know potentially could have been COVID complications but i'm imagining uh he's better this week than he was last week and He's been pretty good this season. I think what happened in week one really kind of colored the way that people viewed the Packers for the first half of the season where, I mean, obviously they got blown out 38 to three on the road against the saints in week one. That was horrible. I think that's just a, a burn the tape, forget about it type of game. If you look at what Rodgers has done since week two, he really has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now he hasn't been, super aggressive and throwing the ball downfield, taking a lot of risk or anything like that. But he has been his sort of traditional take what the defense gives him be highly accurate type of self. Uh, There's, you know, a a composite stat of expected points added and completion percentage over expectation. Uh, You can find this at Ben Baldwin's website Rogers since week two is number three overall in that stat. Like he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league since week two, 8.6 adjusted yards per attempt. Now, I know that in theory, the Vikings have a good defense. I just kind of don't buy it. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't. And Patrick Peterson is out. Uh, so it's it's just another situation where I, I do think the Packers win. And Rodgers is 48-27 and 27 against this spread for his career within division. Like there's just something about these guys that he just dominates the NFC North. So, uh, you know, on the road, not the best situation, but favored by less than a field goal. Uh, I think there's some value there with the Packers.
0: Yeah, it's my initial lean for sure, too. I'm, I'm with you. And that composites um, EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Like if you are going to, it's always hard to get like that perfect metric. But like it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're measuring both kind of schematically how the offense is putting the quarterback in position to succeed with expected completion percentage, and then how are they performing on top of that, and then also incorporating some big play stuff, too. So it is really a great metric. They really, I don't think, I believe they've covered every game since that week one spot too. Again, not a predictive stat, but they've just been the indication, even the Jordan Love game in Kansas City, they covered. So on the defense with Jair Alexander outs, Zaire Smith outs, it's really overperformed, but like. I'm with you too. I think the Vikings have overperformed as well. I don't really buy with the lack of secondary that they have, you know, Daniel Hunter's out with a torn pec. Like they just don't have a lot going on. Connor, any early leans here in this uh, Packers vikings spot?
1: I, I lean Green Bay as well. My, my, my biggest issue here is that uh, the Vikings, as you mentioned, eight of the Vikings nine games so far have been decided by seven or fewer points either way. Six of those nine have been decided by four or fewer either way. Uh, I mean, they've kept it close with good teams like the Bengals, Chargers, Ravens, Cowboys, and then also kept it close with like the Lions. And, uh, you know, like there's – it's a tough team for me to, to handicap because I think that I, – I just can't really tell if they're good or if they're just getting unlucky or, you know, vice versa. I think it's just a mix of both. One thing I do, you know, think is probably true is that their run defense is not that good. Seven eight, eight, uh, you know, bottom seven eight in most run defensive metrics. Um, I think A.J. Dillon could be in for a big day, um, you know. But other than that, I think that I probably leave Green Bay minus two opened at like two and a half, three down to minus two. Uh, I think that Green Bay is the side here.
2: One thing, one quick thing I really want to mention in here: the Packers' defense has been surprisingly good this year, even though they have been dealing with injuries. And you know, as we we mentioned. Uh, you know, the trends are against the spread records or over under records, not necessarily predictive of what we see in the future, but I think they are descriptive of the types of games we've seen in the past. And so the Packers nine and one against the spread, but they have an over under record of two and eight. So I, that is an extreme type of split, which really shows that they are winning, not because their offense is just outscoring and, and blowing away the other offense, but because their defense is limiting opponents and driving their games to the under. So the Packers, as as good as I think they are on offense, their defense has really been the distinguishing factor of the season to this point.
0: And a surprise, too. Like you said, I mean, they've been limiting big plays. They're sixth in explosive pass rate allowed in the season. They play also at such a snail's pace, which we don't think, because they can run at such a high-efficiency level offensively that like I think sometimes that's baked into the number. Aaron Rodgers, I want to watch points, Devontae Adams. So sometimes we might see inflated numbers there too. So I think that's a good call. Vikings are the same way. They they will stuff the ball into Dalvin's belly over and over again. And sometimes if that's going well, that leads to unders here. So I would lean that way too. We might be on the right side of that from a 49 and a half standpoint, not a a firm play for me at this point, but early look at that just feels a little high given how this game can go back and forth. So uh, definitely an important one for both clubs, especially the Vikings, if they want to stay alive here. Another good one now, uh, Indy on the road against Buffalo. Bills are seven-point favorites here at home. 50 is the total. This is a rematch of a wild-card game last year. Buffalo got back to business last week. They looked probably like the class of the AFC again. Again, you know, Titans fans, I apologize. I guess we'll get there. The Jets obviously have a way of making their opponents shine. We did finally have that top shelf, stefan Diggs performance that we've been waiting for again jets um defense continues to impress though we let the you know mike white dink and dunk uh to his way over 250 passing yards killing our under bets but again that's really all they were able to do all day so uh, colts uh they're gonna need to be a little bit more consistent last week was kind of a tough one like if you watch that game early they jumped out to a massive lead against the jags and then that was really it like Jacksonville's defense showed up for the second week in a row uh, and slowed down the Colts and didn't allow them to do anything we saw some bad Carson Wentz there kind of in the second and third quarters so big Jonathan Taylor game but again tough spot here against Buffalo on paper it's a bad matchup for the Colts again they're terrific at stopping the run Uh, they do not create a lot of pressure and their secondary is pretty bad too so uh, Freeman kick us off here
2: yeah, I, as you mentioned, it' a, t- a tough matchup for the Colts. I, th- I think in a couple of ways, they do have a good running game, but they are going against a Bills defense that is especially strong against the run. So maybe they can neutralize what it is that the Colts do the best. And, and Carson Wentz, even though he has been, uh, may, if not the best version of himself that we've seen since his, you know, I think it was 2017 breakout season, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's been surprisingly not horrible you know I mean like you know like better better than I would have anticipated um I don't know like this number at seven feels about right if I had to bet on anything I'm looking at the the FTN bets uh odds page that we have here and there is a seven and a half at FanDuel and so if I had to take anything I would probably take the Colts plus seven and a half the Colts have I mean, they have impressed. Their Their defense is good against the run. It's not good against the pass, but like they have made a habit of being able to cover um, seven and a half. If I had to bet anything, I would do it at FanDuel. It's seven across the rest of the industry. That number feels about right to me.
0: Yeah, hung out for six and a half for a while there in look aheads, and then early into the week. But uh, you know, to Freeman's point, like all of our odds are from win bets but shop the market like you always like that's a significant move six and a half to seven and a half like that's a that point through the seven is as big as we talk about every week Connor any early leans here in the spot
1: no I think my biggest takeaway is probably that like the Colts uh the, at least the last few weeks you know have looked really good but they've also been played they played against the Jags and the Jets um so I think that you know this this Bill's defense has just been so elite in terms of like their metrics you know like number one in you know, DVOA, number one in EPA, number one in, or, you know, top five and basically every other defensive metric. And I think a lot of their uh, metrics are also schedule field as well. But um, <clears throat> this is not a spot where I'm willing to bet on the Colts offense kind of overshadowing that and really taking advantage of it. I think at worst, the Bills defense is like, you know, top five, uh, you know, even given everything and like the adjustments for the easy schedule they played. But in this spot, I think that there could be some, you know, valuable player prop unders on the Indy side, uh, especially the pass catchers. But um, yeah, I think the line's about right in terms of the side here, to be honest. I, I don't have too much to lean. I'd probably lean under on the game, but um, you know, at 50 points, it seems like a little
0: little aggressive. But for me, it's probably stay away. It was interesting to see last week, and I wonder if it was schematic or if it's like a change that is going to maintain itself. On the season, the Bills are running play action 33% of Josh Allen's dropbacks. They ran it 58% of the time last week. And Allen's A dot was up almost four yards above his season average as well as well. So like that could be Jets specific, or that could be them maybe turning on the heat from the offense that we remember from last year a little bit, which was a lot more play action uh motion heavy than what we've seen this year. So interesting to see how that kind of maintains itself. The running back situation is a mess. Like that, you know, from a prop standpoint, it's gonna be tough. Like they dusted off Matt Burita last week, turned it into a three-headed backfield, which makes things pretty challenging here but uh again i'm interested to see the bills kind of turn up the heat and see if they actually are the class of of the conference here so this is a big one for that all right next connor's dolphins on the road against the jets Jets are getting three at home uh 44 and a half is the total i mean really surprising game on thursday night with the uh, dolphins knocking off the ravens um Miami held Lamar and company to the fourth lowest EPA per play mark of the week. They have been on the right side of turnover variants. They got six in the last two contests. Um, they ran a lot of like, just zero coverage and blitzed the crap out of them. Uh, Jets remain a mess. Don't really know what's going on there. It's Joe Flacco show. Um, what is dead may never die. Freeman, uh, talk to me about this one.
2: I mean, this is an ugly game. I, I don't want to watch it. Uh, I, I really don't even want to talk about it. But uh, Tua Tugavailoa is is interesting. I think that he hasn't played as poorly as people would maybe expect. Um, I thought he played pretty well in relief last week coming off of the bench with the, the finger issue. Uh, in the games that he started, I think he's been serviceable. And now he's got a, a pretty decent matchup, and he's he's coming off of three days extra rest from Thursday Night Football last mm-hmm. week. So like the finger, in theory, should be fairly normal, back to normal maybe, but he's got a great matchup against the Jets. They're number 31 in defensive drawback EPA per play, number 32 in defensive uh, pass DVOA. I don't know, man, but I don't want to bet on the Dolphins either. Like, they just – they seem as if they do not have their stuff together. And, like, their, their offense has always been kind of hit or miss because they've had this, like, weird rotation every year. They bring in a new offensive coordinator. But the defense progressively has improved until this year. Like, this was the year where it seemed like the defense was really going to come together at all stages. And they've just – I mean, they've been horrible – in the secondary especially and like the perimeter cornerbacks that is where the strength of this defense should have been with Xavier Howard on one side Byron Jones on the other and both of those guys have underperformed so I just I don't know I don't want to I don't want to take either of these teams because I I think they're both very bad
0: (laughs) I think that's a good point though it's like I the spot feels like a spot for the Dolphins but they're they're a bad team. Do I want to like lay points on the road with a bad team? I just, I, I don't. So it's just to stay away. Cause the jets, I feel like are unbettable. So yeah, Connor, what are your, uh, any thoughts here on Miami feeling good? Well, it's, some it's two and a half out there earlier. I'm sure you were getting all moist.
1: My biggest takeaway was like, you know, some two and a half. I was in on the dolphins, you know, two and a half when it opened, when I was doing the show notes and everything. And then when I checked it again, before we went live it was three, three and a half in most spots. Definitely not laying three and a half with the Dolphins. Um, Three, I'm interested. Two and a half, I would. Uh, I don't know. I I think that, you know, they kind of – like what's stopping them from kind of uh, doing the same blueprint that they did against Lamar, against Joe Flacco? Just like running cover zero, blitzing the hell out of him and making Joe Flacco make plays. Like, I mean, what could go wrong, right? Like That YOLO life works well for Flacco. It did for like four games. Uh, And and, and and what's funny is like – I thought about that. And then mm-hmm. I had like flashbacks to that game against the Broncos last year on like a Thursday night where Joe mm-hmm. Flacco like started and just like balled the fuck out. Like literally it was just like, you know, they dropped like 28 points on what, what at the time was a good Broncos defense. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I I keep going back and forth here. I think the Dolphins to the right side, two and a half I'd play it, three I'd consider it, and three and a half definitely not playing it. So for me, I don't know, probably just stay away here.
0: Does it feel like a lot of points, 44 and a half?
1: Uh, maybe, I don't know. I think, I think Tua is going to be unleashed. I think it's his time, you know, I think, okay. you know, one- so Dolphins
0: teams total over. You're on the right side of the number.
1: Yeah. 20, 23 and a half, you get a 23
0: and a half somewhere. Yeah. We're yeah, probably. Watch. I'm sure that'll be on your card come Sunday. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stinker. So hopefully again, DirecTV if you're mm-hmm. listening and you need to eliminate one of the games from the Octobox, please make it Dolphins jets. Uh, no one, <laughs> anyone that wants to watch that game, will just go watch that game. So, Next, we have the Ravens on the road in Chicago. The uh, Bears getting five at home. Uh, This is a 45.5 point total. Touched on it briefly here. Ravens are tricky. I mean, I think that they're probably pretty good. I think they're comfortably one of the top 10 teams in the league. Probably, all things considered, a Super Bowl contender when they're at their best. But we have concerns. We probably should. I mean, they destroyed the Chargers a month ago, which at the time seemed like an impressive win. That shine has kind of worn off on the Chargers of late and then lost big the next time out to Cincinnati, who then stumbled and lost two in a row. They needed a hero ball from Lamar to come from behind against the Vikings a couple weeks ago. And if not, we're talking about the Ravens being losers of three straight and on the road out of conference, and it's a totally different scenario here. But um, they get the Bears this week, and that is an elixir for any team that is struggling. The last time we saw Justin Fields, it looked pretty good. Again, I don't know if that's going to be something that they can replicate. On the road in Pittsburgh was a tough spot, but uh, interested to see what happens here. Mini-buy for the Ravens, which kind of sucks for the Bears who are coming off the buy, so it kind of mitigates their rest advantage. Freeman, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, this opened at uh, – where did it open? I think it opened six and at 6.5. A a 6.5, and, and it's yep. been progressively bet down. It is now 4.5 in some mm-hmm. spots. Uh still six at, at another spot. So there's you know kind of uh some disbursement across the industry in terms of how people are viewing this game, but it is moving towards the Bears. Um, I don't want anything on the side. Um, the Ravens have made a habit of playing up to good opponents and playing down to poor opponents, but I do think the under uh is intriguing here, primarily because of the Bears. But I, I think both of these teams. You know, they have pretty good defenses. The the Bears in particular, based on how it is that they play, they're running the ball. They're playing slowly. They have a defense that I think is good enough to slow down opposing offenses. And, you know, with Justin Fields, the over under record is two and five. I think some of that is a function of how he's being used within that offense. You know, Matt Nagy, notoriously uninventive in how he's using his players this feels like an under game to me.
0: Uh, Connor jumps out here.
1: Um, I mean, I think you mentioned it at the top here, but the Ravens just have been all over the place, losing games to the dolphins and Raiders. And then, you know, like similar to what we were talking about before, like they've lost to some good teams, beat some, or lost to some bad teams, beat some good teams. And I think that the Ravens are good. Uh, their offensive metrics have been great across the board. Their defensive metrics have been pretty bad uh, for the most part. Um, and so, that that's a little bit concerning here, but I think as as Friedman mentioned, like the Bears are going to run the ball. David Montgomery's back. They have Khalil Herbert. Like that's that's what they want to do. They they would they did get a little bit more creative though, like in the last few weeks, running a little bit more play action. You know, allowing Justin Fields to, I mean, I guess opening the game up a little bit more for him rather than just running the ball and having him throw like eighteen, nineteen passes a game. Uh, now he's more in like the 25 to 30 range, you know what I mean? Uh, so at least at that point, I think that there's some, could be some excitement, but yeah, I think with both teams liking to run the ball so much, like I think that the under is probably the lane here.
0: Ravens have given up a ton of big plays, both on the ground and through the air. They're 31st and explosive run rate allowed. Which doesn't really align with all any of their other rushing metrics, which is kind of interesting. And the same thing in the passing game, they've allowed the sixth highest rate of explosive pass plays. I don't know that that fits the Bears per se. I don't know that they're the best team to take advantage of it. I don't know that Miami was either, but they seem to do that. Um, But interestingly, I guess we'll have to watch the status of um, Allen Robinson. I think he dinged up again. You always try to take Wednesday practice reports uh, with a grain of salt because sometimes it's just naturally built in rest days there. I don't know that he's. In any danger actually of missing this contest, but we'll have to wait and see. It's the downside of of recording early, but uh, does, to watch that one.
1: Does Alan Robinson even like matter to them anymore? I mean, he's
0: just like, I mean, I, I yeah, I get it, but like, yes, I mean, it, <laughs> he it, matters. What, but it, what you're talking about is you know the alternative, uh, you know who they're rolling out up there. It's what you know, Marquise Goodwin, like, or uh, yeah, it's not it's not yeah. good without him. So it's not good with him either. But it gets significantly worse. They're running a lot of. A lot of uh, twelve personnel with with Jimmy Graham and uh, Cole Komet. so which they probably do anyway because who knows. Yeah. I feel like the Bears are a team where the bye gets in their way. Like they probably had too much time to plan, and like it's like yeah. Matt Nagy just comes up with something that is monotonous and, and counterintuitive, and it doesn't work. So, all right, next uh, the Saints on the road in Philly against the Eagles. Eagles one point favorites at home. Forty three and a half is the total here. This is kind of a tricky one. I mean, I think to comfortably handicap this one, we would need to know the status of Alvin Kamara. Um, The Eagles are playing really well right now and have been kind of a team that's seemed to get steamed every week as games get closer. They basically decided for their best running back to go down and then decided to become this run-heavy offense on the back of Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, which makes a ton of sense. But uh, maybe Miles Sanders is back here. The problem, though, is that, the Saints defensive front has been terrific. It's definitely the strength of the entire team, probably even more so than the offensive line at this point. So, you know, how do they adjust? I mean, over the past three weeks, Philly's passing on just 33% of first and second down plays. They are running a ton. It's just a combination of running first, play action off of it, and then the occasional Jalen Hurts scramble when things go sideways, Connor. um, I know you've been excited about Hurts. Um, from a fantasy perspective, he's a little harder to back because we're losing about 90 to 100 passing yards per game, but the, the rushing ability is still there.
1: Yeah, the, uh, I, I think they, you broke it down well in terms of like they want to go run heavy, but the matchup is tough. So what's going to happen? You know, like, where are they going to, like, what's going to break here? Are they going to specifically game plan to go pass heavy again? Like they were early in the year. At one point, they were second in pass rate over expectation. Now they're like one of the league's lowest, uh, if not the lowest in the league in terms of pass rate over expectation. Just grinding the ball, as you mentioned. Now they ML Sanders back. But, you know, that logic worked in reverse the other way. It was like, you know, as soon as they lost him, they went run heavy. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that as soon as they get him, they go pass heavy. But in this matchup, I think that it's tough to consider them just continuing to go run heavy so i don't know i think it's it's something that i'm just like it's kind of a wait and see maybe a live betting situation where you kind of see what their game plan is seeing what they're having success doing and try and uh,
0: capitalize on different markets there yeah freeman as bad as the saints are i think with offensively like they should have won last week they had two missed extra points they uh, had a fumble on a kick return they had a couple other drives stalled in the red zone like They're a tough team after, you know, losing at home to the Falcons. But like, I don't know, like just sometimes feel like in these matchups, it's like this coaching matchup here is, is a pretty big discrepancy. You have any early leans on the spot?
2: I think the Saints should be favored. As as you mentioned, I think they've actually been pretty decent uh, the past couple of weeks. And and Trevor Simeon, I mean, I don't think he's a a great player, but I don't think he's horrible. I don't think like he's the atrocity that we saw for a season uh, with the Broncos a couple of years ago. And, I think it's, it's worth noting that Sean Payton, like, I think he's the real, he's the real engine of that offense. Like it wasn't not to take anything away from Drew Brees, who, who was great, but like, I think it was the, the, the scheme that helped open up Drew Brees within that system. And Sean Payton without Drew Brees is still actually pretty good. He's still 13 and six against the spread in games without Drew Brees. Like if you look at uh, Bill Belichick, like he doesn't have an against the spread record that good without Tom Brady. You know, like I think Peyton really is able to scheme within the offense the, with the players that he has. So Taysom Hill last year was three and one against the spread in an offense that was totally reconstructed on the fly. Uh, I I don't think having Trevor Simeon in here, is something that is actually that big of a hindrance to the success of this team in part because it has been built so much on the defense, which is pretty strong throughout the entirety of the unit. Like they're strong against the pass, They're strong against the run and on offense with Sean Payton, I think they can do enough to ensure that they get the cover here. I honestly, I think they should be favored.
0: Yeah, we have one and win, but if you look elsewhere in the market, this is one and a half or two, pretty much. Everywhere else, if nothing else, the Saints, if this is you have an appetite for these things, the Saints become a really nice teaser, like, you know, tease through, if you know, mm-hmm. one and a half or two. You're teasing them through the seven. Like, I like that play a lot here. So I'm with you. Like, I lean that way, too, because I just feel like it's such a bad matchup for what the Eagles want to do. And Hertz, I think, has been better than maybe we expected, but I don't know that he's necessarily a dynamic passer. They've kind of been able to hide them. You know, don't want to get our hands in the dirt too much with like cornerback receiver matchups. But like Marcus Lattimore is kind of a guy that you can put on a Devante Smith to mm-hmm. take away their main option there. And now you're having to worry about, you know, Quez Watkins of the world and, and things like that. It makes you a little more leery if you're holding Eagles tickets. So I'm kind of with you there, uh, at least especially in, uh, in the teaser fields, for sure. All right, next one. We have uh, Washington on the road. Uh, in Carolina, Carolina's three-point favorites here, 43-and-a-half is the total. we get the Ron Rivera Bowl here, uh, coming full circle with Cam Newton returning here, which it looks like as the starter for the Panthers as we record here. I'm sure he'll be hyped to be back in front of the uh, home crowd there. Big wins for both clubs last week. Panthers caught the Cardinals in like a classic look-ahead spot with their backup quarterback, and we ignored it despite that being a really inflated line. Um after obviously what Arizona had done the week prior with Colt McCoy in San Francisco. Um, great to see Christian McCaffrey back. It looked every bit, the part of the all world all purpose running back that we are used to seeing very impressive, uh, equally impressive win for Washington, catching the box off by and dominating them is not something I think any of us expected. And uh, you know, obviously losing chase young in that one too. They still kind of rallied. So good spot for both clubs. Freeman, any thoughts here off the top?
2: I'm not really too interested in the side here. Um, I don't really want to go with Taylor Heineke who just has like one of the worst against the spread records of any quarterback alive. Like I just, I kind of don't want to do it. Um, But if I, if I had to lean in a direction, it actually might be towards Washington, you know, with, with the points, but I, I kind of can't believe I'm saying that. And I really don't want to do that, but I do think that there's value here on the under the Panthers have, I think a really underappreciated defense and with the loss of, of JC Horn early in the season, it looked like that defense would, you know, maybe fall apart a little bit in the secondary. But you know, Stephon Gilmore being inserted into that off, sorry, into that defense, you know, like that's a, a weapon there that they can use to match up with opposing number one receivers. I think that defense is pretty legit, uh, you know, both in the pass and in the run. Uh, and you see that reflected in how they've done with their, their over under record. I mean, they highly skew towards the under and it's because of that defense, but I think it's also in part because of the offense, which isn't that good. Like it's, it's mediocre, right? But I think we're especially going to see something mediocre with Cam Newton. I think it's going to be much more run focused. I mean, we, we have not seen Newton have a functional throwing shoulder in years And I still don't know if we're going to see him have that this, this week. I'm, I'm skeptical. He doesn't know the offense. He's never, even though like he's coming home to the Panthers, this is not his Panthers. Like he does not know Matt rules offense. Like I would expect for us to see uh, a pretty inconsistent offensive game from the Panthers. And I don't think. I don't think that Washington is good enough on offense to capitalize against maybe some of the extra opportunities that they will have because they're still going to be going against a pretty good Panthers defense. So to me, this feels like an under game. I know it's at, I think what, 43, 43 and a half right now. I think that's too high. It feels like this should be around 41.
0: Yeah. Even with JC Horn going down, you mentioned the uh, third EPA per play third in points per drive allowed and they are still first in the league in yards per drive allowed. Like that's impressive. They have a nice pass rush with some young guys there. And there was that like game week two, I think the Seattle game, Like Cam looked like an actual competent downfield passer and quarterback. And that was literally like curtains we haven't yeah. seen it since see a lot. I mean, I watched all those bounce passes that he was throwing very, very, very painful, and I think you make a great point. Like, certainly, it's a homecoming from like a stadium standpoint and a locker room, but it's not from a coaching staff and from an offensive philosophy. So, uh, Connor, I think uh, Freeman did a good job laying that out. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I like the under call a lot there. I think my initial lean was on the the Panther side, largely because of the defensive matchup on, uh, for the Panthers against uh, Washington, and I thought that Cam, you know, even though he doesn't know the offense, uh, I think he's an upgrade over Darnold and kind of what they've been rolling out there. Um, and so, any kind of new creativity, you know, I thought would be a breath of fresh air for an offense that has playmakers. Um, you know, like they have weapons. So yeah, I could see the mesh, you know, and and him just being kind of thrown in there, being a little bit messy in week one. Um, but you know, I would still lean them at, at minus three because of the defensive matchup and just Cam being able to, you know, get a lot of the yards that, uh, like you know, the third and shorts and the goal lines and like converting a lot of those things and. You know they probably do go extremely run heavy in this one, and that tends towards the under, but I still think that that kind of you know lean on their defense, go run heavy, kind of grind the game out. Um, so I, I think that they win by a touchdown,
0: but again, I think the under is probably the better play. So easy for me to say downstairs in my comfy basement, uh, to like have hindsight analysis of the Panthers like draft and <laughs> philosophy. But like, what if they what if they pick Mac Jones at eight? Like yeah, they it's a good they, team. It's a good team. Like not only that, like they like re-upped on the Darnold deal. Like it's just, it's disappointing when you see like Miami kind of did it where you're like, they're this analytics darling for a little bit. They got like this smart GM in there and like they're making some good decisions and they make one or two trades and moves. And you're like, man, like you just completely hampered moving forward. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's a playoff team. I feel like, I mean, they're probably not winning the division, but they're certainly much better. So. All right, uh, Lions on the road. Next one, uh, in Cleveland. Cleveland laying 10 at home, 44 and a half is the total. Man, Detroit, I, I want to be all, like clear with our audience and, and honest. Um, I didn't rewatch the Lions and Steelers last week. Um, <laughs> I don't have to. You can't make me do it. Um, and you shouldn't either. If you happen to have game pass, just skip through that bad boy. The overtime period alone was just remarkable. It was like one of the worst 10 minutes of football that I think you could ever subject yourself to browns though were not significantly better for being honest it was one of the worst uh epa performances of the season they took the opening kickoff went down the field for a score and then got skunked 45 zip the rest of the way um i think it says it kind of more about the pats than maybe the browns but um you know they're still very much in contention even though that happened this afc north is wide open no one really wants to put their stamp on it um you got to make your layups though the browns have a layup this week at the lions freeman uh, what is your thoughts here?
2: This this game is just like a nothing for me. Like I'm totally staying away. Um, I would be tempted to bet on the Lions, especially now that this line has moved off of 10 at a lot of places. Uh, I'm, I'm looking and I've seen it at 11 and a half hmm. at some books, which uh, I mean, man, like that, that kind of is tempting. But the thing is, if this line is moving, like what's to stop it from getting to 13 you know, like the, the lions are bad and some games they play with like real quote unquote, like grit or whatever, you know, to where it's like, you like, you can see that like they are playing tough, but they're just a team that is totally outmanned, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And then on offense, really like they don't have much like Deandre Swift. He seems like he could be a, a good back, uh, but he like. He's he's a good receiving back, but he's not doing much running the ball. He had like thirty three carries last (laughs) game, like for like I think one hundred thirty yards. Like uh, if you say one hundred thirty yards, that sounds good. If if you tell me thirty three carries, like that sounds horrible. So I'm just I'm not really interested in a Jared Goff led offense. Goff, by the way, sixteen games is still yet to win a game without Sean McVay he's wow. now like not totally defeated. Congratulations. One of those games ended in a tie <laughs> instead of a loss, but it's like I just I I cannot get behind the Lions even though I look at this and like I feel like that is kind of the quote-unquote sharp side. I just there's no way I'm betting it.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the weather's going to be here, but I imagine this is probably too cold for Sean or for uh for Jared Goff as well with his small baby hands and uh his inept <laughs> offense, but uh Carter, any thoughts here? I mean, I don't know that you have an appetite for a Lions ticket based on how I know you typically go. I will not be betting on the Lions
1: this spot, uh, you know, or almost any other spot. I mean, this would have to probably be like 14 or something like that for me to consider it. I I agree that 10 is probably the sharp side, but this team is just so bad. Uh, I mean, top to bottom, their defensive metrics are bad. Their offense is, you know, terrible. And now at this point, I mean, a lot of it's injury-based, but I think at this point, like, it's just that, I mean, Jared Goff can't hang like he, he has no weapons at this point. He, the offensive line isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. And he's a cupcake without Sean McVay. Like he just can't, he can't produce. And so uh, it's exactly what we thought coming into the year, at least, you know, Noonan and I did. And I think that it's, you know, panned out in great fashion here. Um, So for me, I think if you, at 10 points, I probably lean Cleveland. I mean, I think, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, given his health should be, you know, go wild as 10 point favorites. I mean. I think that just also, I mean, the Lions, like a tie, I think that that's like the equivalent of an emotional win. Like that is like they're coming off an emotional tie over, you know, against a Steelers team. uh, And now they got to come play the Browns on the road. I mean, that's a big deal. I think that like that kind of thing, like I just, it might might matter. Like this team is so bad. So I think that they're going to lose probably by, you know, 17 plus. I like that. I think the 10 is interesting, honestly. I mean, they're just. They're that bad. Although the Browns' offense has not been good enough, though, to, to, for me to be that excited about them.
0: It's well, to Freeman's point, though. I mean, we did this this afternoon. We put these together for producer Sal, and now, like, if you look in the market, like, ten's gone. You know, yeah. it, it's uh, you know a couple, couple hours old. It's it's uh, it's out there everywhere. I thought in the look-aheads looking at this too, I thought for sure we were getting to fourteen. Like, and I think if the Browns show up even a little bit against New England, that's where we're at. So I think this is reactionary off of them kind of laying an egg there in a big, big way. So. Yeah, no one, no one wants the, the Lions here. Uh, next, Houston. On the road in Tennessee. Tennessee, 10-point 10 favorites. 44.5 is the total. We are now up to six straight wins for the Titans. An incredible stretch in the heart of the toughest part of their schedule. They uh, The remaining schedule is among the easiest in the league, too. So, like, they have uh, head-to-head tiebreakers against the Chiefs and the Bills. Like, we have to take them seriously. It's just hard to do. They're 19th. In DVOA offensively, 18th in yards per drive. Derrick Henry is out. Uh, there's a chance that he comes back for the playoffs. They've gotten nothing from Julio Jones this season. It's a it's a puzzling eight and two team that is ten point favorites at home against the Washington Generals of the NFL. Like I, I don't know really what to do with this one, Freeman. What are your thoughts on uh, Tennessee?
2: Uh, it, it feels like a stay away. If I had to bet something, I would be betting on Tennessee. Uh, and I, that feels nasty to, to say that, um, you know, because I, I honestly don't think they're that good of a team. I, I don't like, I don't think that they are an eight and two team, but uh, you know, I, every week I'm like, I don't think they're that good of a team. And then they just, they show me You're that horrible. I'm wrong, you know? <laughs> so I just, I need to they're stop they the talking. toughest schedule in the league. I know. I know. I don't, understand I, know. It. I, I, don't, I don't understand it either because like each week you see ways in which they easily could have lost the game and yet they win, uh, except, except for that Rams game where they just outright dominated. And it's like, where is this coming from? But I don't know. I I, I I do not think that they are as good as their record would indicate, but the Houston Texans are probably worse than their record indicates. So if I had to take a side, I would be taking the Titans. Uh, I think it is worth noting that with Terod Taylor back, like that Texans offense and then coming off of the bye – That Texans offense might be better than what we have seen to this point in the season, but that defense is still, I I think, incredibly subpar. So I don't want any part of the Texans, although like, I don't know, in theory, like some of me would be like, hmm to Rod Taylor's historically good against the spread, you know, like this Texans mm. team coming off of the bye, going against the Titans team. That's, you know, overrated, like, you know, like the, the wannabe sharp in me would be <laughs> like, okay, I, I'm going to bet on, on the Texans, but like, I don't know the, the quote unquote wannabe realist in me is like, there's no way that I want to put any money on the Texans. So if I, again, if I were betting this, I would take the Titans.
0: You want to turn the square off, but sometimes it's just so hard to do because it, <laughs> I know. It's, it I know. makes so much sense to be square sometimes. Like, do I really want to be when games kick off on Sunday and I'm looking at, like, my my card for the week? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm chasing 10 with the Titan, with the Texans. It's like, yeah. mm. Texans team total, though, if we do believe there's some life here, this is a pretty low threshold to get over against a, a Titans defense that definitely feels like they are out over their skis. So – now I will take a longer look at that than I should because you convince me to do so. Connor, any early leans here in this uh, this growth spot? No, as,
1: as you you mentioned, I think that there's uh, there are some sharp folks actually on uh, you know the Texans, and I think that it's probably the right side at like ten. It was a ten and a half in some spots to open the week. Now pretty much ten flat across everywhere. But I, if you look at like the on field matchups, like these types of games are so hard for me to handicap because a lot of our analysis comes from like what players are matching up against what, what units go against others. And it's just like across the board. I think the Titans are, you know, better. Uh, And so for me, it's tough to, it's tough to really consider doing anything other than laying 10, but in terms of like the actual number, I think that the Texans are probably the right side here. Um, This type of game would be, you know, just a a massive Derrick Henry game if he was healthy. Uh, But now we're looking at like Adrian Peterson played less Deonta Foreman, Uh, had the most snaps and carries last week um, among all the running backs. I think in this spot, you know, that probably makes sense, but um, I don't know. There might be a little bit too hype, too much hype around him. I think coming into this, I I think that their their usage is a little bit more fluid than some people might expect uh, given, you know, it seems like Deontay Foreman's getting a little too much hype in my opinion.
0: There's a case with the Texans here. Um 10th in pass rush win rate on the season, 10th in adjusted sack rate defensively. So, not bad for as bad as they are. Like, they're getting a respectable amount of pressure. And the Titans have struggled a little bit. They are offensively 29th in adjusted sack rate allowed. So, if they don't keep a clean pocket for uh, Tannehill, that's maybe your case here. I mean, they got outgained by like 150 yards to. Uh, Trevor Simeon and the Saints last week, like a a yard and a half per play, significantly outmanned and won. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I just I I want to start to back my opinion on the Titans here and take advantage of maybe the line where it's as inflated as that's ever going to be. So maybe if it starts to get seen back the other way, um, we can start to look at the, the Texans if we work through some key numbers. God, I hate that. Uh, Niners on the road against Jacksonville. Jacksonville catching six and a half at home, 45 is the total here. Of course, the Niners would rock the Rams at home after getting dog walked by Colt McCoy the week before. It makes total sense with how the league has been playing out the last couple of weeks. Now the Niners on the road, big west to east spot on short rest, though it is to face the Jags, who, again, as I mentioned earlier, they've been pretty feisty of late. I, you know, Could have been a big letdown spot. Uh, last week against the Colts after their big win against the Bills, but um, they spotted the Bills or the Colts 14 quickly and then the defense locked up again. So I don't know. I, I don't want to overreact to that because I think that defensively there are still some questions here, but uh, a game was up in the air in the last couple of minutes, which is really unimaginable if you watch the first 30. Uh, Freeman, any early spots here on the Niners? I just want to point out that the DVOA loves San Francisco and it's you know mm-hmm. throwing off some stuff here. I'm like, like third in offensive DVOA.
2: Yeah. So like to, to give a little, uh, I, I don't know. So like to, to pull back the curtain on the process. So every Saturday I start to do research for the, the upcoming week. And I, I kind of like try to anticipate what it is that might happen on Sunday that could potentially change the way that people view these games. And then whenever the lines are released on Sunday evening, uh, I will, you know, in the FTN bet tracker, put in the, the early picks that I like. And so this last Saturday I was doing research on this game and the stuff I was looking at led me towards Jaguars plus six. And so like, I have my little notes typing stuff up. And so like, I, I have in there like Jaguars plus six. And then like, I just have like red going through it. And it's like, do not bet this. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I cannot, I cannot do it. Like, I cannot get behind Urban Meyer. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take Kyle Shanahan. Especially, like, coming off of that big win, this feels like a letdown spot. And Shanahan, as a favorite, is 12-22-1 against this spread for his career. Like, th- this guy has a way of doling the edges that he has. I just, I do not want to be invested in him. I do think that if, if I were to bet this just based on numbers, I would go with the Jags here, whether it's, it's plus six, plus six and a half, like plus six and a half. Like that's, you're getting over the six. Like that's a decent number there, but I just, I, I can't do it with the Jags either. I do think, however, that there's value on the under, Uh, the Jags have a surprisingly good defense, like, Let me rephrase that. There's a lot of young talent. Yeah. They have a defense that is better than I think people expected it to be or better than the market appreciates. And they have an offense that is incredibly middling. And so that leads to games that skew towards the under. So I I do think that this is an under game, uh, especially with the 49ers. I think being more of a ball control run focused team at this stage, I think this game will skew towards the under here. So uh, I bet it at 47, it's moved down to 45. If I had to take a position on the total, I would still go under at this point.
0: Yeah. Connor, to Freeman's point, I mean, Jacksonville has been really good running the football when I mean, they just haven't had many game scripts where they can lean on it. And they've actually been pretty decent stopping the run there. Uh, where they eighth in DVOA, they've allowed the second fewest explosive runs, which is we know all things considered what San Francisco wants to do. Uh, I, we just keep talking about it at the top of the show every single week, dogs, nine and five on the money line, like home dogs. Like we're talking about home dogs against the Niners team that I don't think any of us think is NFC, like, a well, playoff contender in the sense of like, uh, there's a handful of teams that are fighting for that last spot, but like, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm, I'm talking myself into Texans and Jags and consecutive segments and I want to log off, but what do you think about this one?
1: Something that was interesting with those, the metrics of the run defense, because that's something that jumped off the page to me initially. Um, And then I thought about like, well, you know, how is it possible that the Jags could have like a a top 10 run defense? You know, like I was like, I just don't think that that's necessarily something that I would believe in. Uh, So if you kind of look at how I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, teams when they're late in games are running suboptimally, like in times that like it just doesn't even matter. And so if you look in the first and second quarters right now, they're actually 25th in rushing success rate allowed and 27th in just the first quarter. Um, so it's – I think when teams want to run and running early in games, when they're being a little bit more strategic about their runs, like they're still able to have some success. Uh, and first later in the game where, you know, like the, the Texans are winning, whatever, you know, blew them out in week one. Like they just pounded the rock the entire game. Like they didn't care about whether they are going to be efficient or not. They were just running the ball because they're, they were able to. And so uh, like, I think those kinds of things skewed some of their numbers a little bit. They've had like a couple of blowouts there, but um, just in general, I think they're probably closer to like middle of the pack, you know, rather than being like an elite run defense, um, which I think kind of matters in this matchup because, you know, San Francisco uh, as we've seen, you know, has, you know, wants to run the ball, I think, you know, more often than not. And, you know, it's happy just doing those pitch plays to Mitchell and, you know, running Wilson, but Mitchell's status is a little bit up in the air now. And I um, I mean, are they really going to pound the rock with Jeff Wilson? I, I, I just don't really know. So I think in this spot here, uh, I am I think the Jags are kind of live. I don't know. I, it's kind of like a strange thing to say, but I'm not going to – I'm not super excited about betting it um, because I do think that the 49ers could have some success on the ground
0: uh, against the Jags defense that's, I don't know, maybe not as good as the metrics suggest. Just as a reminder, we spend so much time dealing with props, and I know Freeman gets in deep on the props too, and we just always have to remind ourselves too of like – long-term plus ev to take unders Uh, we just we just know that that's the case right we just the board knows that the books know we want to chase the over and we know we want to be on the sides and it's like we almost have that trigger that we ignore when it comes to sides um especially with like these home dogs because it's like i don't want the jags like i don't want to like we know that these things keep happening every week and it's the same premise like we kind of catch ourselves like, all right, I really need to start leaning a little bit more on some of these unders in the prop market. I Kind of feel that way too, where we need to be looking a little bit more proactively into why some of these dogs, especially home dogs could be in spots where we need to take advantage of, of catching a touchdown or or close to it. So some food for thought there. Next uh, move into the late window here. We have the Bengals in Vegas Uh, Raiders catching one at home. 49 and a half is the total. We, Dial back a couple of weeks. These were like the top two teams in the AFC standings, and it's been a bit rocky ever since. The Raiders obviously have been a relentless stream of bad off the field news that's somewhat trickled. I don't want to say trickled into their play, but it's coincided with really bad play as well. Very lifeless efforts consecutive weeks against the Giants and the Chiefs. Uh, The Bengals on the other side, they parlayed a fourth quarter collapse against the Jets with an absolute drubbing at the hands of the Browns. Turned it over three times then um, basically crawled into the buy on a whimper um, kind of feels like a really important one. As far as the playoff picture goes moving forward. I don't know if it's like a loser leaves town match, but it gets really yeah. dicey for either of these teams to make the playoffs. If if you lose this one, uh, Freeman talked to me about the spot.
2: I, I think this number feels about right. If I had to go a direction, it would be the Bengals. Um, as you mentioned, the uh the Raiders have just dealt with a lot of off the field stuff. And I, I think that offense, even though they have Deshaun Jackson, who ostensibly could fill that field stretcher role that's been vacated by Henry Ruggs, I just I don't think he really does it the same way within that offense. Uh so I do think that the offense has changed. Uh and then especially without Gruden there to make tweaks during the games, uh I think the offense is altered. So uh not as interested on on in the Raiders. Um the Bengals, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, they've they've been bad recently, uh, like surprisingly bad. But uh, I don't know. I do think that this game is pretty much a coin flip. I do think the Bengals, though, have the better offense at this point. And I, I think that their defense is about as good as the defense for the Raiders. So I, I would side that direction. But I mean, the real answer is I'm I'm not touching this game either way.
0: <laughs> Connor, any leans early on the top of this one? Uh, I, I thought it was kind of a
2: good
1: spot to you know buy on the Bengals here you know mm-hmm. with uh, under under three um like I mean they've had a rough past few games, but uh, i I think that you know coming off their buy, like I think they're still a good team. they draw a you know a Raiders team that's you know tumultuous, I think at best, and that they've lost two straight games. I mean it's like I think that the the team total year is interesting, just given the matchups I think that like over twenty four and a half could be could be viable um you know I'd put them more in like the twenty six twenty seven range in terms of what I think that their output is. Um, you know, I, I'm just willing to buy on a Bengals team that I think is pretty good, uh, and that I think that their their offense starting to become a little bit more pass heavy as well. Um, so I know the Raiders are able to, able to get pe- pressure, but um, you know, they can probably mitigate some of that by doing some more quick passes in this one. So yeah, I would lean towards uh, you know, a Bengals team total over there. Well, that's what we were banging on last
0: week: the ability to get pressure and the ability to eliminate deep explosive passes, and they. Didn't do either of those things very well against Mahomes um, on on uh, Sunday night. So be interested to see what happens here. I, I want to back the Bengals because I, I do just in my head think that they are the better team than the Raiders. But the Raiders are just one of those teams over the last couple of years that continue to maybe show up in spots where you think they they aren't going to. So hopefully the bye works in their favor, though. I, that kind of would lead me to feel like Zach Taylor is a guy that I think is like a – by week optimizer, like he's going to go and take advantage of these things and get in the lab and do things, and he just hasn't been that guy per se yet. So he's hitting uh, the crap stables too hard. Probably a better use of his time. So uh, we'll hold off on this one. Do a little bit more digging as the week goes on. Uh, next one, just a fun one. Cowboys on the road in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. Chiefs two and a half point favorites at home. it's so moved quite a bit from the look ads, uh, fifty six is the total. Every show and podcast, uh, at some point, including us, has uh, taken a shot at diagnosing the Chiefs over the past month. Now they show out in a big way, in a big spot in prime time against the Raiders. And everyone's ready to pretend like there was nothing ever wrong and they're back. And, and here we go. And whatever happened to us, the internet hates nuance in, in such an emphatic way. But uh, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Um, the struggles were very real. like They just, they were pretty predictable and they really didn't have any secondary options emerging. And there's a shift in usage there with Kansas city. I'm interested to see if maybe, you know, Byron Pringle has come on and is, you know, uh, relegated Nicole Hardman to the bench. That's some pretty significant uh, splits as far as routes run and things like that last week. I think that Dallas is pretty good though. I mean, I I feel like the happy to throw away the Falcons game. I feel like they are pretty legit Super Bowl contenders. They looked every bit apart last week against the Falcons. Um, I don't know that I feel that the chiefs improvements offensively or defensively, I'm sorry, are sticky either. I feel like it's been matchup based, but uh, Freeman, what are your early thoughts here? This is going to be a fun one. All
2: right. Let me, let me tell you, I, I think you guys probably know I'm a self-loathing Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> I, I have bet the side on a Cowboys game. Uh, I believe eight times this year, my record is, in those games, whether I, I've been betting on the Cowboys or against the Cowboys, my record betting the spread in Cowboys games this year is, uh, I believe, two and six. So you do not want to listen to anything that I have to say about how the Cowboys might perform. Uh, I was 0-5 to open the year by betting against the Cowboys <laughs> all five games. And, and then I started switching and then it ended up going against me. This, I, this is... Anyways, so what I hear you saying is you're fifty 50-50 over the last four games. Uh, I mean, you should you should not listen to anything I have to say about the Cowboys. I I think that you said the Cowboys they feel like a Super Bowl contender, like they they do. I am impressed by what I've seen out of the Cowboys. You know, they had that one stinker of a game. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like this season every team's had a game like that, and it's just like okay, you kind of move on. They looked good last week. The thing that the thing that worries me about the Cowboys is that I I do not believe that their defense is as good as it looks through like the lens of something like EPA. Like they have been living on I don't want to say it's turnover luck, but living on turnovers for a lot of it. You know, if you look at yards per play allowed, they're still like one of the bottom eight teams in the league. And granted, they are going against a Chiefs offense that has made a habit of turning the ball over a lot this year. So maybe the Cowboys continue to get turnovers in this game and that is the difference for them but man like I don't like betting on a team that's defense is living on turnovers cuz like that just feels like a recipe for disaster. And I don't think, you know, not to get two in the <laughs> sorry two in the weeds on on matchups uh you know a player versus player but like you know Tyreek Hill playing in the slot it's not as if He's going to see uh, a lot of digs on him, and then when he does go outside and he's going against Digs, I, I don't think Digs is the the type of corner who can actually stick with Tyreek Hill. And like Digs has been as as great as he is at creating like jaw dropping interceptions, like he's also been something of a liability in coverage. Like he's he's been sort of like like Mark like a Marcus Peters type of over aggressive. Going for interceptions and that leaves him open to double moves and just allowing defenders to run by him. Like I'm, I'm, am I am worried about this Cowboys defense, especially given that the Chiefs actually looked good last week on offense. That said, like my numbers like do indicate that I should be betting on the Cowboys because I don't think that the Chiefs defense is all that good either. For me, it's just it's a stay away. Uh, if I had to bet anything, I would bet Cowboys. I would love to be able to bet Cowboys plus three, but that number is never going to surface in the market because the books know that everyone would bet Cowboys plus three if, if it went there. So if I had to bet something, it would be Cowboys plus two and a half. Uh, honestly, I'm looking... I'm a little bit interested in the under in this game, although mm-hmm. I know that feels incredibly fishy, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting and waiting because this line is is moving up. You know, I think it, it opened around... 53 and a half it's now at 56 56 and a half i'm just waiting because this feels like the type of game where everyone is expecting offense and if these defenses with the number this high if these defenses play just a little bit better than people expect that could drive the game to the under here and historically arrowhead has kind of been a tougher place to play the weather is starting to get colder I don't know. It, it just, uh, I know all of this is sort of like anecdotal, but this actually feels like an under spot. And I'm just waiting for this total to get as high as it can before I bet it. Interesting.
0: So I'm going to just disregard everything you said because um, you're terrible at handicapping yes. the Cowboys games. Yeah. Really, if I can catch ignore. a 26 and a half on a Cowboys team total, like, I'm not, I feel like that would be one of my favorite bets of the week. And then maybe as wrong. I don't outdoors. disagree. Yeah. You know, an arrowhead, like you said, but like, whew, 26 and a half on Dallas because the Chiefs defense that I think is still bad. Yeah. Um, man, I would, I love that one a lot. That so, was exactly
1: what I wrote down was that 26 and a half Cowboys hit this in six of nine games, now playing against the Chiefs defense. I mean, bottom five and pass and run defense. Um, and I, that's, I mean, you broke down perfectly why I'm not betting a side because, yeah the Chiefs could easily win by like 14, I think, you know, and win like 40 to 26, 40, 27. But still think that no matter what the Cowboys are going to be very close, you know, at the bare minimum, like if if it's, if it is a slower pace under game to like that 26, 27 range. And, you know, in the most likely scenario, in my opinion, I think that it's they're more like 27 to 30 range. Uh, Even if the game doesn't turn into like a full blown, like, you know, 38, 40 type of game. So yeah, I like the team total over there on the on the Cowboys, other than that, I'm probably not betting a I, so much- I
2: I can see it. I can like I can see the case for it. Like the, the case is there. Mm-hmm. Just it's just something in my gut. And again, ignore me because I, <laughs> I like when it comes to the Cowboys, I'm just I'm totally off this year.
0: I think we spend a lot of time, like we wanna it's natural too. We want to overreact to like the bad tale of the outcome. We wanna overreact to like the Falcons game. But I think in hindsight a little bit. And you think of really how the Patriots have started to look, how well that defense has played. The only team that really had a really strong output offensively against them was Dak in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, they played really well against a team that I think is legit defensively a top five unit. Um, yeah, I mean, Cowboys money line and a Cowboys team total would be, I just, I, you're right, I think we never see a three, but uh. Yeah, I, I just think Dallas is legit for throwing out that one Falcons game. And, uh, yeah, I have to dig into it. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but you're right. We're getting into the middle, late November in uh, in Kansas City. This is a, a late window game. So, you know, it's we're playing that uh, under the lights. So it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a popular one in DFS. I'm sure we'll see some pretty high prop lines when those start to form in the next uh, day or two. So it's going to be a fun one. Uh, last one on Sunday in primetime. Uh, Arizona on the road in Seattle, Seattle catch a two and a half at home. 40 and a half is the total. Uh, looks like we might get Kyler back for Arizona. Market seems to think that's the case based on the line. I think on the other side, uh, Mr. Unlimited appeared fairly limited last week. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he looked like a guy had missed multiple games with a finger injury. Um, Seattle was held scoreless. Obviously Wilson had a negative 9.2 completion rate over expectation, which is, his worst performance in a decade long career as a starter there in Seattle. Not good. I thought that Seattle had a run here at that back end of the playoff spots. Now the only team in the NFC that has a worse record than Seattle is the Lions. So they're not dead, but man, they really need this one. Freeman, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. If I, if I had to bet it, uh, I would go uh, with the Cardinals here. I, I kind of, I just want to wait a little bit uh, based on, on the Kyler stuff. Cause you know, I, I thought that he was probably going to play last week uh, and that, that didn't work out. And we, we saw how, how bad that offense looked without him. I just, I on the side, I want to be uh, just a little bit cautious and wait there. Uh, I did early on uh, in the FTM best tracker on, on Sunday night, as soon as the, uh, the total dropped, uh, I did bet under, and that was at 50 and a half. And, and so it has moved down from there. Uh, you know, if Kyler doesn't play, I think the under is a great position. Even if he does play, he might be a little bit limited. Uh, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, I think there's I mean, definitely something going on with his, his finger still. I, I think they rushed him back. Um, even if he is totally functional, he's still in an offense that wants to run the ball. So I'm not taking a position on the side yet, but I do think the under here is where I want to be.
0: Always find it interesting, Connor, when we see these spots with a quarterback that does move the line with the number posted. Um, we saw that a couple of weeks ago. forget the, the instance, but like, it's typically, I think, in these spots where we don't know for sure that like, this is off the board uh, on a Wednesday. But well, um, I mean,
1: last week against Carolina, I mean, they were 10 point favorites and Kyler was like 50 50. Yeah. Um, and I, I never we adjusted. Both, Yeah. We both mentioned on the show, we were like, okay, that seems strange. You know, I guess that like, yeah. I, I just don't know. Like what would the line have been if Kyler played like 13, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you I don't at know. 14. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just, just strange. Yeah. So for me, I mean, Seattle at home as, as underdogs with, I mean, it really depends on Kyler. Like if Kyler's not playing, I think that I like Seattle here, but uh, I mean, Russell Wilson didn't look good last week. As you guys mentioned, I mean, he was like, the ball was just coming off his hand weird. He had a few throws where I was like, that just looks wrong. Um, he to look, look like he's processing a little bit slow, to be honest, too. So, um, I think the under is the play, as, as Friedman mentioned, and I lean Seattle,
0: personally. Uh, We're going to wait and see what's happening. Uh, this should be a good spot for James Conner, too, because I think he has you no know, Chase Edmonds here. But, again, all this feels to me like we need to know the quarterback situation before we get too granular. Last one, Pittsburgh on the road against the Chargers. Chargers five-point favorites at home, 47 47- is the total? I mean, I, I feel like the Steelers have these games every year. When that schedule comes out in May, you're a Steelers fan, like you're circling that Lions game at home is like a win moving forward. But, like, <laughs> I mean, late fumbles by Deontay, uh, Pat Fryermuth, that uh, sealed their fate. Like, that was just incredible football. But uh, this should be a de facto home game for the Steelers in SoFi. Like, it'll be terrible towels all over the place. Steelers are about as national a team outside of the Cowboys as you get. They travel really well. There are transplants all over. No one's from LA, so like there's tons of people that live there now that are Steelers fans. And then the Chargers have like they have a few passionate fans. Um, you know a few of which we know who. You're great. Uh, you know, Feinberg's a big Steelers fan, and I and I love Feinberg. And I don't want to. I mean, Chargers fan. I don't want to. I don't want to bash his Chargers. But um, you know they. It's not a great fan base. Uh, <laughs> Uh, They weren't when they were in San Diego and, you know, now they're like the second team in LA. Uh, This is going to be, we saw this game a couple years ago and it was just a sea of yellow. So de facto, de facto home game. Um, Yeah. I mean, analytics darling here with Brandon Staley is, 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 he's getting tight in the pants a little bit, like uh, conservative, great gameplay of late. He took a like fourth and four on the 40, like in the, um, Vikings fields, you know, Viking side of the field, he took like a delay a game and then they punted like it's not what you saw from him early in the season. And then we've seen really a great deal of struggles from Justin Herbert. If you look over since uh, week six, talking about the composite metric that Friedman was talking about earlier, EPA and completion percentage over expectation. uh, He's 25th out of 30 quarterbacks. He's been really, really struggling of late, Um, but we got a ton of injuries on both sides. This one's really hard to cap as well Friedman. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, this line has continued to move against the Steelers, which uh, is unfortunate for me because I, I thought the Steelers would be <laughs> would be the side here. I, I think some of it, it, you mentioned their injuries, and then there's also the concern with Roethlisberger whether he actually will be activated off of the COVID reserve list in time for this game. And, and I think that might be the big factor that is moving the line here. But you, know, you mentioned the, the struggles that the Chargers have had this year. Uh, I mean, the Steelers, obviously, they've had struggles too, but this, you know, organizationally is just uh, a franchise that always seems to make the most out of being in a, like, a quote unquote tough spot. And coming out of that game last week, that, you know, I would say entering the game, they probably felt like they should have won. You know, whether the way the game unfolded or not, they actually should have won. Like, they feel like that was a game that was theirs that they let get away. So I feel like they come into this game with more of the chip on their shoulder. And historically, as underdogs, Mike Tomlin's teams have really overperformed. Like, that is just like the headspace that they want to be in, feeling like the world is against them. But as underdogs, they are 43, 22 and three against the spread for Tomlin's career. And, you know, even if you look at the money line as underdogs, they're 34 and 29 and up 22.8 units across that span. Like I, the, to me, this feels like a Raiders, sorry, not Raiders. This feels like a Steelers spot, but um, with the, the Ben, the big Ben uncertainty, I just, I don't, I don't want to fully invest in it yet.
0: Yeah. We got big Ben. We got Megan Fitzpatrick with COVID. We have, uh, you know, Watt dealing with uh, injuries. I think he's, I don't know if he's out or not. He missed practice again Wednesday. Practice uh, we have to wait and see. But uh, Connor, any early leans here on the Steelers Chargers to to take us home?
1: I think it's a little bit of a similar spot to like kind of you know the Eagles uh, Chargers spot like a few weeks ago in terms of just like the Steelers want to run the ball there, especially if Big Ben is out or at least you know kind of questionable. I think the Najee Harris is going to see a lot of run here. The Chargers can't defend the run for their lives. Um, you know, like, and as they don't even try sometimes, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you know, putting six or seven in the box and even then they're not good around defense regardless. So, I mean, I think the Steelers should have some offensive success and, but, you know, again, like I would feel a lot more comfortable with Ben being there. At, at five, it's a little bit of it's a dead number, so I don't know. I, I think I would lean Steelers, but it's tough. something that's tough for me to back, to be entirely honest. I think that just the Steelers, just, I just don't think they're a good team overall, so that's kind of tough for me to get behind. But I do see a path to success, and I do see a way that they're able to cover and potentially win. Yeah, I think I, they're going to be without Bosa. Start
2: to jump in really. I, I agree. I, I don't think they're a good team. Uh, it, it is sort of sickening to think about betting this. If it gets to six, I think it will get to six. Mm. When it gets to six, that is I'll when I will it. probably be betting be on it. it.
0: So what I hear is a just a straight-up um, parlay with Steelers, Texans, and Jacks. <laughs> Jacks.
1: <laughs> All right. Just the grossest parlay Week in 11. history. I mean, that is nasty.
0: But, you know, look at how it's going. I mean, look what what's going on. We're, we're standing on the sideline, you know, Scratching our balls and we have all these teams that are just
1: This is why the people who bet sides for a living and make money just like don't even like they don't care about some of the stuff that we talk about. They just like only bet the numbers, don't even watch the game and then just
0: like rewatch it after. I think that's a trend, not watching the games. You know, it's popular. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't watch the games, just watch them later. So Freeman, you're the man. I appreciate it. Like I said at the top, we always enjoy having you on. Please let the listeners, I know you're not a busy guy, but you do a bunch of things. Uh, Let everyone know where they can find all your stuff.
2: Uh, you can find the work at FTN, uh, on Friday, I published the fantasy football breakdown on Thursday. I published a best bets article on Tuesday. You know, I, I, I do my rankings, which, uh, I, I just cracked the top 20 at fantasy pros this week. So happy about that. Jeff Ratcliffe, uh, is currently number one. So I'm just trying not to get totally smoked by him, uh, in house. Uh, so yeah, just all of the work is at FTN. And then I, I have two shows each weekday, uh, the aptly named Friedman Fantasy Football Show uh, and then the Degenerate Sports Betting Show. Because let's be honest, if you've been listening to this show now, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just a guy. I'm, I'm just a guy who has some opinions. A lot of them are probably losing opinions. And, and that's just for football. I, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to basketball hockey any of these other sports so you know i bring on other people who actually know what they're talking about because let's be honest you're a little bit of a degenerate like if you're going to be watching a game you might want to put a little bit money on it so we'll have someone come on the show and say like hey this is what's happening in this game this is how these teams match up and you know this is probably the sharp side so that's what's going on the Friedman fantasy football show the degenerate sports betting show you can check them out at ftn every weekday
0: Love it, absolutely love it. Good stuff. Uh, we are fans of the our friends over at FTN and uh, wish continued success again. At Matt F, the Oracle, on Twitter as well. Again, uh, you know, be a company guy. Download the BetSports app today as well. You want to get in there. You can track bets. Uh, lots of different ways to to utilize that. We have lots of cool stuff going on over there. Uh, lots of people got their hands in there to continue to make that a better process. I'm um, in product moving forward. I'm excited about uh, the future there. And again, take advantage of our promo code four for four. Download the Winbat If uh WinBet app, if they are in your state. So for Freeman and Connor, I'm Ryan. We will see you on Friday night with the prop show. Thanks for listening.